The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 107th ever show of all around sports reach friday at 1 p.m eastern time we broadcast live from boston this week the epicenter of the sports world i think we could all agree to go live and all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend to join the show the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, wow. What a week in Boston sports. Simply one like no other that I can ever recall, with news coming out at simply a dizzying clip. Obviously, uh, it's hard to believe it was only four days ago on Monday that the Bruins lost Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Since then, we've had the Aaron Hernandez case, Doc Rivers leaving the Celtics, and KG and Paul Pierce also leaving the Celtics. So... Trying to sort through it all has just been incredible, to say the least. But uh, let me just try to categorize these events under my normal highlight, low light, and bizarre news items. And my highlight of the week was, you know, the Celtics turning the page last night by trading KG and Pierce to the Brooklyn Nets, not to mention uh, letting Doc Rivers go to the Clippers. Uh, a couple days ago, seems like a lifetime ago, and uh, you know they did, this team is not winning a championship. They're entertaining. They would have probably still banged out the building next next year, and they'd still be you know relevant. But they weren't winning a championship, which is really all that matters uh, with that organization, and certainly in this town in general. After seven titles over the last uh, uh, eleven, twelve years. So Danny, uh, Danny Ainge, you know, give him credit. He, you know, no secrets here. We all knew this needed to be done and, you know, he did it. And of course, you know, but a way that nobody could ever foresee doc being quote traded to the Clippers. (laughs) And, uh, let's not forget that Danny Ainge 
when he arrived on the scene back in 2001 to whatever as general manager, the Celtics were just in the Eastern Conference Finals against the New Jersey Nets when Jason Kidd was at his peak. He came in and blew that team up after basically everybody had suffered for the previous decade in the post-Larry Bird Big Three era. So the 90s were awful. With the young Paul Pierce, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, highlighted by a game that was uh, the greatest postseason comeback in NBA history. I was there. Uh, The Celtics come back from like 25 down in the fourth quarter to beat the Nets during that series, and then the Nets won the next couple games, and that was that. It was right around Memorial Day weekend, and uh, so in comes Danny Ainge immediately following that to start his new job as Celtics GM, blows up that team. So it's never a question of guts with Danny by any means. Uh, Doc, you know, my, my feeling with him and really everybody else, don't try to keep people if they don't want to be here. Period. Just let them go, and everybody will be better off. Win-win, uh, I'd like to call it. KG Pierce, I mean, all-time warriors, and I hate to say it, but we have seen their best. But, you know, I and everybody in this town absolutely love this team over the past six years. But Danny Ainge witnessed the big three, the original big three, Bird, McHale, Parrish, get old, leave, and the Celtics got nothing for him, and they basically suffered for the better part of 20 to 25 years. So he, he that, that, will, that was always in his head. So he did it, and uh, we shall see what happens. Uh, the big question is, is Danny Ainge the first one to recognize, more importantly, take advantage of you know the new NBA CBA? I'm no agent or lawyer, but everything I read in here is that, you know, having draft picks and flexibility is really going to be <clears throat> the way to go here in the short term under this new CBA. If that's the case, Celtics are in the catbird seat now. They have, <laughs> what, four or five first-round picks that they traded for, received whatever, plus their own first-round pick. So like a dozen or ten or so first-round picks over the course of the next four or five years. Um, should be fun. Uh, but it could be painful in the short term. So my low light of the week was the Bruins giving up two goals in 17 seconds with less than a, a minute and a half left to lose a game six lead and the chance for forcing a game seven with the Stanley Cup at stake. It may have been one of the greatest in NHL finals ever played. Original six teams, great talent. Hard-hitting and rough, yet none of the silly-type fighting. And uh, both teams, again, very likable. This Bruins team, simply one of the most well-liked teams I've ever seen, and even on a personal level, that I've ever liked. Um, You know, but you you just can't get past the fact that, you know, we were all, and I mean objective viewers, Blackhawk fans, and certainly Boston fans, myself included, we were making plans for Wednesday night in Game 7. We just were. Less than two minutes to go. You have a one-goal lead. It's one thing to maybe give up that goal after they pull the goalie for an overtime. But to give up two in 17 seconds, obviously, it's never been done before in a cup final. To actually win the cup, is uh, it was historic and, and stunning and shocking. Um, but, you know, given what we've seen this week, no, you know, 
the stun and the shock came and went real quickly. Uh, funniest line, what brought a smile to my face the day after that, uh, that loss was I heard a line on sports radio that Jacoby Ellsbury, Red Sox center fielder, oft injured and on the disabled list, but that Jacoby Ellsbury went on the 60-day disabled list after reading about Patrice Bergeron's injuries. And uh, like I said, brought a smile to my face the day after the uh, Hawks won the cup by beating the Bruins. And uh, another thing that is really worth noting, I mean, the Hawks, very likable team. I mean, I think they're now literally everybody's in Boston's second favorite team. And what they did this morning was amazing. They took out a full-page ad in the Boston Globe saying thank you, an open letter to the Boston Bruins organization in the city of Boston, and uh, wrote four just really fabulous paragraphs, uh, you know, praising Boston and, uh, you know, basically saying rarely have we experienced the hospitality you afford us throughout the playoffs series between two incredibly gifted teams. Want to personally express our heartfelt appreciation to you, your, to your city, the Bruins organization, and especially the citizens of Boston for the remarkable welcome you showed our team and the many Chicagoans who visited. Like the rest of the world, Chicagoans have been reminded in recent days of Boston's strengths. Please let us know we tip your hat. Tip our hat to your city's big heart and gracious spirit. You lead by example and have set the bar very high for others to follow. Uh... Classy move, Chicago. Like I said, we all love this team. Not love, but <laughs> everybody in Boston respected the Blackhawks big time. And after this, uh, I think that's even risen with this just really, really classy, again, full-page ad in the front section, page A9 of today's Boston Globe. In the meantime, they're out there having a parade in Chicago, and good for them. And I don't want to take away from... Blackhawks, they earned it. They they scored two goals in 17 seconds with a, under a minute and a half left in the game to take the cup. So good for them. My bizarre story of the week is obviously the absolutely surreal, and I really should have a better word, unimaginable case. You, you can't make this stuff up case, maybe is the best way to say it, of just Aaron Hernandez, you know. He is now being investigated by Boston police, according to reports, for a double murder that was committed last summer. It was kind of a drive-by after some nightclub altercation. Uh, two guys pulled up to a stoplight, and the car pulls up beside him, shoots him. That's it. They died, never solved. And here we are a year later. And uh, now it's, you know... Back on the table, shall we see? Shall we say? And uh, again, just an incredible uh, situation that, unlike anything I can remember, it's clearly the local version, if you will. And I talked about the chase last week, the OJ type chase. But you know, it's also become like obviously it's a national story, but here locally, it's just. It's dominating the first 10, 15, 10 minutes or 15, if not 20 minutes of every single local newscast. The media is just absolutely um, unleashed on this, you know, 
Uh, it's an all-timer, period, in Boston. Um, and uh, it just seems like hour by hour there's more twists and turns, uh, such as the double murder suspicion that has arisen suddenly. Um, you know, the whether it's the indictment being read, I think the DA or talked for 30 plus minutes describing the you know the the accusation shall we say and, and what they perceive to be their case uh, you talk about riveting courtroom television it was just incredible and just an amazing uh, week unlike really anything I can ever remember but uh, the far and away you know the Aaron Hernandez situation far supersedes what on any other given day or given week would be gigantic sports news in Boston. That, of course, being the Bruins giving up the lead and losing their opportunity for Game 7 for the Stanley Cup, not to mention Doc Rivers going to the Clippers, KG and Paul Pierce being traded, all of it completely, utterly dwarfed by this Aaron Hernandez thing. It's all anybody is talking about in New England non-stop. And again, it's been a long time since I've seen the news media on a story like this one. Um, so, as as we say in the business, this story has legs, and a lot of them, and we have not in any way, shape, or form seen the end of it. I think a lot of twists and turns lie ahead. And given the week we've had, probably in the short term, uh, as in day by day. So, with that said, as my former co-host, Lee Munt from Williams from Outside the Huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports football and so much more is the focus of planet gridiron with damian anderson join the former arizona cardinals running back for a show that mixes well a little bit of everything damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field the goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. 
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., you're fresh from attending last night's NBA draft. You were there live in Brooklyn. So we're all dying to hear. Uh, your first person account of what, what what it was like. Yeah, John, it was a, a great event as always, and right away you saw all the basketball dignitaries. Uh, the, the John Calipari makes that voyage every year from Lexington, and uh, John Beeline from Michigan, and uh, David Falk, the agent. He just and all types of nationally known basketball reporters there, Len Robbins and. Uh, you know, different people. So I really enjoyed it, and it was a very nice arena. First time I've been to that facility, and I, yeah, John, I there's something funny about attending that event. I thought I was in the same facility from last year where it was in New Jersey, but they just pick up and bring all those surroundings to that site, and it's it, it's like they just removed it and brought it up to Brooklyn. Really. Wow. Yeah, when I walked in the room, I said, gee, I, I think I've been here before. And everything was placed in the same spots. The ESPN had their studio to the right. The NBA uh, TV was to the left. All the cameras were in the backside, and everything was in black and the same types of seating. And, and the tables were set to the right, and the media was to the left on the floor. We had our, our set up. So it was like it was deja vu, only – not in New Jersey, but in Brooklyn. Wow. That's interesting. In Brooklyn, of all places. And, uh, yeah, I am really looking forward to it. Obviously, they didn't have to come far to come because the NBA draft for years, uh, I believe, has been held in Secaucus, New Jersey, right? Right. They hold, yeah. hold it down there at the uh, New Jersey Nets old facility. But uh, it, it was fun. I had a good time. And I think, John, one of the surprises of the draft, maybe people watching on TV felt the same thing. Uh, the Kentucky center, Nerlens Noel, was not selected with the top draft choice, and he wasn't even the first big man. So right away there was a buzz that was going on in the arena when, when he wasn't selected. Well, I can was- imagine, AP. I mean, I was watching live, and it was a stunning moment when – you know, Anthony Bennett was made the the overall number one pick, which uh, I'll fess up. I didn't know the name. I, I'm guessing a lot of people didn't. I mean, they were showing, you know, replay, if you will, of Bill Simmons' reaction. And, I mean, you could hear visible audio gasps. Appeared. <laughs> yeah. it, it had to be the same down there on, on a much more magnified level, I assume. I don't know. Oh, oh yeah. Then you have the, the local – people and they they have a strong reaction to everything 
And so th- that right. always adds to the drama and the excitement. Right, uh, like New York. As like in New York, York. yes. And, and right. I told everybody last night when the commissioner came to the podium, we might have been in Brooklyn, but there was a lot of Bronx cheers going on. Yeah, and he actually said that. So I got to ask you, you know, and this is follow-up to, you know, watching Gary Bettman get booed during the Stanley Cup presentation here in Boston just a couple of nights ago, booed vociferously. But, you know, that's three lockouts later for him. And But, you know, what was it like? I mean, how loud was it? It's, it's John, sure it was loud. so loud. It was so loud, I could barely hear the commissioner. I had – I was – simultaneously tuned in to the radio station so I could hear his audio uh, on a delayed basis because I could barely hear him when he was at the podium. That's how loud. For the first pick? Oh, all of them. Or, and it was sustained pick by pick, it seemed. Y- y- yes, it just it was a constant thing every time he came to the podium. But oh then God, at like... the end when they kind of celebrated his his tenure, they, they kind of were shouting, I think, was, thank you, David. Yeah, well, you know, obviously booing commissioners, uh, you, you know, uh, such as Roger Goodell at the NFL draft. And again, you know, let's keep in mind, I mean, every one of them has suffered a lockout, uh, you know, and I was at the draft. You were, too, I believe, NFL draft when Goodell was uh, booed following that lockout. Then we have, you know, the NBA lockout of a year ago. And obviously, this NHL lockout. So uh, it's become a new national sport. Booing sports commissioner. Uh, you know, if I'm Bud Selig, you know, I'm not. I'm not getting in front of any cameras with fans there. Period. Um, it's. Uh, but yeah, last night. I, I mean, put it this way: if it was never, if it was ever not going to happen. It would have been last night. I mean, coming off that fabulous NBA postseason and great finals. And obviously, he's retiring. This is his last draft after a 30-year career, which even his worst critic ever would admit he really grew the NBA at minimum. You have to agree. You have to go with that. Oh, yeah. I think in his opening statement, John, didn't he say there was a couple hundred countries this was being broadcast in last evening? So he expanded the game across the globe, every continent, and you have players from every corner of the earth in the league. So he, yeah, he's done a marvelous job in that regard. Absolutely. It's no, it's the global game. Um, you, you know, dominant in the Olympics, for instance, just maybe the dominant sport these days, you know, and he deserves all the credit in the world. But he, so I was a little surprised, I guess, is he, I just wasn't thinking that as he walked to the podium, bef- uh, the precise moment. And then when the booze started, I was like, Oh yeah, right. It's a commissioner. Yeah, yeah, and I have to give the the uh, tabs to the the folks in Brooklyn. They booed louder than the people in New Jersey last year. I'm sure they do. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're in Brooklyn. Need we say more? It's yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah. End of conversation. It's Brooklyn. Yeah, and it's it's New York. I mean, you know, obviously, Jets fans at the NFL draft are legendary for <laughs> you know their booing, their reaction, what have you. But again, you know, just uh. A fascinating draft. I, of course, have to ask you, uh, was there a buzz in the building concerning the potential of the KG-Pierce trade to the Brooklyn Nets, literally that arena, obviously? Oh, oh yeah, T- total excitement, John. I believe everyone who's a Nets fan 
would agree that was a good trade. I mean, this owner, he's going for broke. It's a short-term strategy, which seems to be the popular uh, direction teams in New York choose on the basketball side. I mean, the Knicks have done it for years trying to get some of these aging superstars and put them on the team and, and pursue the championship. So he, it's, it's like a one- or two-year strategy. And i tell you one thing, John, you better bring your defensive shoes when you line up to play the Brooklyn Nets because every one of those players can score. Right. And, you know, so it'll be interesting to, to see if, you know, how well they will do during the season and get in the playoffs and then have enough, you know, offense to overtake a team in a seven-game series. You know, they might get whipped a few times defensively, but there's there's plenty of offense to overcome those deficiencies, and, and that's their strategy. So, you know, there's two distinct, distinct strategies being employed, one by the Brooklyn Nets going for broke, and then the Celtics, a total rebuilding project. Correct, that I think was, you know, ushered in by the Doc Rivers, quote, trade to the Clippers. Uh, you know, I said at the beginning of the show, uh, I'm a big believer in all aspects of life. If somebody doesn't want to be there, don't try to convince them. Don't try to keep them, period. And Doc Rivers, for whatever reason, you know, didn't want to be here. So I think Danny Ainge was smart to let him go, and that was obviously domino one. Uh, and last night was domino two. So, you know, Danny Ainge is, uh, you know, he, he's a riverboat gambler in many ways. I, I was saying, and you may have heard at the end, I mean, he, of the first segment, he blew up the Eastern Conference finalist team from 2001 or whatever year it was. Right. Uh, you know, after 15 years of horrible, horrible Celtics play, uh, and then, you know, they went through another decade before they finally got it right, not decades, six, eight years. Anyway, he, when he came in to take that job and blow up that Eastern Conference finalist team uh, back 10, 12 years ago, he said, you know, they're not going to win a championship. Why would I, you know, keep them together? Period. So he had to look at that team with that exact same thought process, I assume. Yeah, John, you can't fool those Boston Celtic fans. I mean, they understand the game. There's no sense in trying to massage this the situation so he came out point blank told him and that's what he seems to be doing at this point in the Celtic history so he's been entrusted now to rebuild the team and and he's been good through the years for that that organization so I, I it'll be interesting to see what he does down the road yeah well he's uh you, you know put it this way you know we all we may look at the Miami big three and two straight titles but you know Danny Ainge created the concept of not the big three, but putting trading to create a big three. We all know the original big three, Bird, Parrish, McHale, but right. Danny Ainge is the guy that put together KG, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce to form the quote the new big three. We all know the rest of the story. They won a championship in their first year. Need we say more? Yeah. What happened yeah. in Miami was a direct byproduct copying what Ainge created a couple of years earlier. So, I mean, this guy is, uh, cannot be shortchanged in his ability to do amazing things with assets. And he has assets now, boy. Yeah. Now you don't even think twice. These guys are talks amongst themselves. I mean, you can see Dwight Howard. I mean, it didn't work out for him with the Lakers, but he, he's trying to get together with another superstar in his next move. So, 
years ago you wouldn't even think about going to a team where you couldn't hog the ball, how, you know, get all the shots and all the glory. But that that he changed that. You're correct, and and so that's a trend that you'll see. It'll continue, and it will. It's continuing now with Dwight Howard. Right. Well, you know, and it really is, and that's you know another big story. But one we're all really really sick of, dating back to Orlando. I don't know, but at least I am. Um. And what you say, you know, is really, quote, the new NBA. And what really fascinates me on this is that what I read this morning, and again, I'm no agent and I'm no lawyer, as I said in the first segment, uh, the new, it's, it seems like the new NBA, meaning the CBA that had created the lockout of a year ago, and the new agreement, if you have assets uh, yeah, meaning draft picks, so that's the way to really thrive in this new NBA. So I'm asking the question, you know, is Danny River, is Danny Ainge, Danny Rivers, right? Is Danny Ainge, you know, again, sort of like he was in 0708, is he smarter than everybody else? Is he like, you know, given the circumstances he was working with, Doc, KG, Pierce, aging, of course, and, you know, is, is he going, is he pulling off like a genius move here where in this new era, new NBA, having picks of which he has something like, I don't know, eight to 10 first round picks now in the next four or five years is having picks and not a lot of long-term contracts. Is, is that how you win in the new NBA? We'll see, but it seems like maybe that's the case from what I'm reading. Yeah. It's a calculated move on his part. So the proof will be in the pudding and he, right. he believes in his, his scouting it, uh, talents and his ability to, evaluate and down the road I'm you know that's his his train of thought and you know maybe he has created something new that the league will copy because every professional league as you know John that's a copycat situation oh yeah yeah and you know go ahead I'm sorry no I'm saying he's on the cutting edge exactly I mean you know again he shocked everybody when he blew up the team a little over a decade ago, the Eastern Conference finalist team that took the Nets to at least six games, I believe, and, you know, orchestrated the greatest fourth-quarter comeback in NBA history at the, at the Garden. I was there, and I'll never forget it as long as I live, from 25 down in the fourth quarter. He just walked in, took the job, walked in, blew that team up, and said, we're not going to win a championship. Why would I keep them together? And, I mean, the, people were mad at him because <laughs> yeah. they had suffered for the previous 10, 12 years. Yeah, but, but he, he has that cachet with that championship. Oh, yeah. So, so it, it'll last for a while, I think, his, his ability to not be uh, criticized too heavily uh, until the results are in. Yeah, plus, and, and you may or may not have dealt with him over the years or whatever, maybe even, you know, cover the team, whatever, I have a little bit. He does not care. He does not have the, you know, the gene that worries about <laughs> criticism from the outside, which is a yeah. great, great trait for a GM. It's fabulous. He, he just doesn't, period, that's it. And he does. he did, again, orchestrate the champion, the big three championship team, and now, you know, he's going to try to do something, you know, amazing and shocking yet again. I mean, he already did it this week, obviously, but now what can he do from here? But unless he's a magician, I don't see how the Celtics can be good for at least a year or two. But, you know, who knows? I mean, again, maybe he takes 
four or five of those picks and goes after Dwight Howard. I mean, that's what we're t- the kind of stuff he's capable of. Yeah, he's got some things in his hip pocket, and he's got some maneuverability. So I wouldn't put anything past him, John. And he, you know, he has that leather skin, like you said, and he doesn't worry about outsiders because that's how he feeds his family. He's going to make the decision and live with it. Right, he has complete job security. It's obvious, you, you know, just listening to the Celtic owners last night. And uh, here's one for you. It just popped into my head. I mean, you know, Rondo and a and a handful of picks, and I mean a a handful <laughs> to the <laughs> Lakers because they don't have a point guard now. Steve Nash. That didn't work out, shall we say? No. Rondo and uh, you know a, a fistful of picks. For Dwight Howard, period, end of story. I could see it. Why not? I mean, it's how, how does that strike you when I just toss yeah, it out yeah, there? Yeah, if, if, if he believes in <laughs> Dwight Howard, I, right, I'm, right. I'm in the non-believer category at the moment. As am I. Don't get me wrong. But, As but, am I, but there's like a lot say, of believers. If, if he has that deck of cards he can toy with and you know present that to the Lakers, and and they, they might be interested. That's a, that's a worthy a worthy choice to take Rondo and a bunch of picks. You can build your team down the road, get rid of a headache you don't need, and get yourself a, a point guard. Exactly, exactly. And uh, just before we depart the Celtics, but get talk more about the overall draft, the Celtics did walk away with, you know, what I consider a very interesting seven-footer in uh, Kelly, uh, Kelly Ole, I'm not sure how you pronounce it exactly, Kelly Olnyk. Right, right, and you. Olenek, Olenek. Sorry. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably butcher it up a little bit more myself, John. So I'll just call him Kelly. Kelly but from Gonzaga. A, right from Gonzaga. Right, he's an athletic player, and the the, the knock on him maybe slightly a little bit soft, but he'll be tested early, and uh, you know the, maybe the Celtics can do something with him, and uh, you, you know, good shooting big man. But and when you play professional basketball, John, you got to bring it every night, uh, or, or you're just exposed terribly. So, you know, he's thrust in this position where he's getting paid now. So, they must have saw something in him and believed in his abilities to draft him, you know, or to pick him up, you know, via the draft. Yeah, well, seven feet, two hundred thirty-four pounds. Obviously, well known for his hair and uh, <laughs> headband and all that. Played in big games, big program at Gonzaga. Um, you know, he's a player that, like everybody knows, I think he was first-team All-America. Bottom line, given what's happened this week, you know, I guess it's not a, the worst thing in the world to enter the new era of the Celtics, you know, with a young seven-foot center from a big program. Uh, you know, as as the newest member of your team. So let me ask you this, AP. What were the other, uh, you know, buzz-creating moments inside the room last night? Uh, I think that trend of uh, right away picking the, the those wing players, you know, wing player types, you know, Victor Oladipo, uh, Anthony Bennett, you know, power forward type. And then the next guy was Otto Porter from Georgetown. So I, I think that was uh, something that got the crowd going. And, and then there was a trend where the, the next group was the big men. And, of course, when they didn't pick uh, the center from Kentucky to Cody Zeller from, you know, Indiana, the Bobcats did, that was right away the crowd was, you know, oohing and on. And then Alex Len, you know, the, the big kid from the Ukraine, 
very good offensive player. And then finally, um, Nerlens Noel. And of course, he was traded to Philadelphia. So I, th- I think that was the buzz, you know, the, taking those those wing players first, scoring forwards type guards, and then the big men were next. And a, cu- a couple of people that I I kind of going to watch down the road is this Contavious Caldwell Pope from Georgia, the shooting guard, went to Detroit. I kind of liked him. And then okay. and then Hardaway's son going to the Knicks. I thought that was an interesting choice. And the, the people liked that choice. That was, that was a big buzz. All the Knicks they went crazy the cheering, right? What's that, John? The, the place went crazy cheering. Right. Oh, right? yeah, they loved that choice. Sure yeah. did. I, I was listening to that, interestingly, on the radio in the car. When, right at the moment that choice was made, and yeah, you could tell, hear the Nick fans cheering, you know, across the river from yeah. uh, in Brooklyn. And, and I like those types of players, you know, six five, six six, long, very athletic. They fly to the goal like they're Superman, and you know, and they can, you know, shoot on the outside some too. And he's got the pedigree of his dad, so the bright lights won't. He won't be in fear of those. Uh, situations, so I, I like that pick by the Knicks, and you know when you have that J.R. Smith there, and he went down the tubes there in the playoffs from for the most part, right. making re- rely on this young guy Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah, well, again, he played in the national championship game. You know, uh, come up with a couple of big moments. He's not a name you're hearing at least during that Final Four, like. But, you know, all of a sudden, every few minutes, he would just, like, do something fairly spectacular, if I, as I remember, during that, yeah. you know. So, yeah. yeah, he has that athleticism to fly through the air and excite the right. crowd and, exactly. and, and inspire his teammates. Right. So, it's, But it seems like, you know, and this is what I was thinking at home, too, but it seems like, you know, at least for the first five, six picks, the fact that Nerlens Noel, you know, went six, meaning that five picks were made without him his name being called that had to be like sort of the big news of the night because the minute a pick was announced the camera was going right to Nerland's Noel for his reaction where he was sort of like you know looking depressed and, and hanging yeah. his head and who wouldn't be but that seemed to be the story watching on TV same there yeah, I think so, John. That was, you know, that look of bewilderment of why why wasn't I selected? I mean, you could the first three pictures think, okay, well they didn't pl- select a center, but then when they started to pick the big people, and then two people went went in front of you, I'm sure he's kind of getting that nervous sweat, and uh, you know he is a thin-hipped, uh, thin-shouldered player. He, he is very lean, John, but right. he does as, have that defensive saw, ability. He's a young right? player. And if I'm taking a big guy, he's real athletic. You know, John, I've always told you this. I like big guys that can block shots and rebound. You know, right. if, they, if they can score in this era, that that's fantastic. But unless they're, you know, Wilt Chamberlain type, Shaquille O'Neal, those types of points, I'm 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 tending to pick the defender and the rebounder. Correct. Exactly. Uh, you know, bulk is just so necessary in today's NBA uh, where, you know, you just wear down. What did I hear the other day that, you know, I just after in the wake of the Heat's title run that all up, they had played 113 games, I believe, Uh, you know, preseason, regular playoffs. That's a lot of games. Oh, my goodness. 
you need a big body to get through that season or else you wear down at the most important time of the year. Right. Or you need something to help you. Correct. You somebody alongside you to, to, to where you have some relief. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm a big believer that in the, in, the mod, in the new NBA, as we know it, and even the old NBA, yeah, just, you know, you need to be physically uh, able to withstand just that long haul because, you know, you ne- you've never done it in your life until you get yeah. to the NBA, obviously. I no, no, you know, maybe some of the listeners remember Bill Walton, tall, right. athlete, you know, athletic, skilled player, his running mate, uh, Maurice Lucas. Yes. Big, big, powerful forward enforcer worked well together. Perfect. They were perfect. And by the way, I, I have to just insert that he, Maurice Lucas was from Pittsburgh. Serious, intimidating player. And I got to play, see him play in high school, in my high school gym with 400 people. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, one was of the great players, John. Fabulous. And I got to see him. He was with a team called Shenley. Won the state title that year with two other terrific players. Dwight Clay, you might remember him, went to Notre Dame and made the shot that beat that ended UCLA's 88-game winning streak. Oh, sure. I remember that corner shot. That's it. So Dwight Clay and Maurice Lucas played on the same high school team, and I saw him in my gym with 400 people. It was unbelievable. Well, I, I didn't realize that. What a, what a duo. Oh, what a duo. And they even had a third guy that was terrific and went uh, – to the Jacksonville team that had Artis Gilmore and Pembroke Burroughs the third, if you can believe this. It was quite a team. Wow. Uh, yeah. One of the great high school teams in Pennsylvania sports history. And uh, anyway, uh, don't want to focus, but with it, when you say Maurice Lucas, I had to bring that up because he, he was intimidating in high school too, believe me, dominant. <laughs> and, and that was just his, his scowl. <laughs> his scowl, exactly. Never mind his play. Right, right. No, he he had a big night that night. They all did, and and I, my high school was great, by the way. We were, you know, a power. So we, we hung with them for a bit, but nobody was beating this team. Uh, no. So, AP. Uh, with all that said, great job reporting on the NBA draft. I'm so glad you're able to make it. It sounds really cool. I might have to get down to one of those one of these days. Yeah, John, you really should because you see all the basketball dignitaries and there's some opportunities to speak to them before the draft because the media is situated right next to the tables where the players and their families and the coaches are sitting and their agents. So it's an hmm. interesting dynamic. Yeah, I mean, you and I have been to, uh, you know, a couple of NFL drafts and, you know, I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, a, a draft, attending a draft is a, you know, a fun and story-filled night. Uh, so I'm glad you made it. Hopefully I'll get to one. But with that said, we should take our break. Still lots more to talk about, uh, which we'll talk about on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests 
from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have Gary Hamby from Deer Dirt and outdoor writer Scott Bestial, and he'll tell us how to use chainsaws for deer management. Hey, we also have another outdoor writer, David Hart and Brent Eaton with Polaris. Hello, Polaris. When we talk about food plots and deer management. And as always, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam had the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice of America listeners, welcome back to the final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., uh, last week we talked about the Travelers Championship uh, in Connecticut this past week, which uh, both of you and I were there for the day of the Pro-Am a week ago Wednesday, nine days ago. And I just have to ask you, it came down to just a dramatic, dramatic, late Sunday afternoon uh, climax, and were you on the course for that, or uh, were you at, 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 uh, at the club? Yeah, I was at, I was at the tournament that day, John. Uh, I was working on some things inside the media tent, watching it on the TV, but you could hear the large gallery cheering uh, the last you know hole, and, and uh, they were so excited. That's not the first time it's happened there. It seems to be a trend to have that playoff at the Travelers every few years or so, and it's always dramatic because you can have such a large gallery in that canyon around the 18th green. Correct, where there was overtime holes or sudden death, whatever you want to call it, extra holes. Right, and you know to see that gentleman win, uh, Ken Duke, for the first time on the tour after so many events, it, it was great. Yes, and to send it into sudden death, uh, his opponent had to hole out, chip in from off the green just to s- extend the tournament, which he did, amazingly enough. That was, just <laughs> yeah. a, that, that was an all-time moment. I mean, you, you, can't, uh, you, you just can't get any better than that. I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, guy has to make a five-foot putt to, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. tie or, to tie, to keep yeah. playing. 
But hey, he chipped it in from off the green on the seventy-second hole. That's yeah, nuts. You probably have to. You might equate that, John, to maybe maybe a half-court shot, uh, a fifty-yard right. touchdown pass, a, a home run from a two-thirty hitter. I mean, it was that yeah, like a, significant. It was that significant. Just an amazing uh, feat for this guy. And you know, I, I loved the way he was like, you know whipping up the crowd. I mean, it, it, it pumped him up and, you know, you don't see that a whole lot in golf. And I, I just thought, boy, this is refreshing. And, you know, but even what he had just done, he had every right to be treating it like a foot, like an SEC football game. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in golf, you know, you have to have such composure because the next shot is always the most important. So rarely do you get that to see that display of emotion and energy. Absolutely. Well, you know, again, and not to mention that on the first sudden death hole, he, you know, he made, I mean, let's flip to the other side. Ken Duke about to win at age 44, about to win his first ever tournament. The guy chips in. So we're going to sudden death. Ken, then, you know, Ken Duke seemingly has the upper hand where, you know, the guy, his opponent had to make about a, a 10, 12 footer. No gimme, put it that way, to extend no. the match, which he did. And then on the next hole, Ken Duke, of course, won it with just by sticking his second shot like a foot from the pin. Amazing shot. And finally, finally, he had his first tournament. He was emotional and fun. I think you had to love that he won it. Oh, yeah. It was a heartwarming moment for him. And he had that, that back issue with the scoliosis. And so there's nothing but smiles for someone like him to win his first championship, especially for the folks at the Travelers Championship. Exactly. Well, you and I agree. We've both covered it the past two years, and you and I certainly agree that uh, it was a great match. Uh, It's a great tournament every year. There's just something about the way that it follows the U.S. Open. So a a few of the bigger names aren't there. But there's, again, in Justin Rose, I believe you've even talked about it, or certainly uh, Hunter Mahan and Keegan Bradley addressed it in their news conference. Yeah. That there, there's a certain relaxed feel to it, and it was also voted, you know, the number one fan event of the year on the PGA Tour. And, and I, I was feeling all that there. Yeah, the golfers, they come in, they know they can score well, and they have a chance to win, and they don't have to have a big name. and. And that's why it leads to a good tournament every year, I believe. Yeah, it's the perfect tournament to follow the U.S. You know, a major, the U.S. Open, and I thought this year it was particularly nice because I, like the golfers themselves, you know, uh, we're down in Philadelphia at Marion for the U.S. Open, and it's only a four, four or five hour drive up to up to the course in Connecticut. I mean, it doesn't get any more user friendly than that on the PGA Tour. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, there's no excuse you had to fly across country or right. or come from out of the country. It's just right up the road, an, an easy stop. Yeah, so it's just, uh, it's an intangible, but everybody just is in good spirits there. There's no other way to say it. That's just how it feels, uh, based on my two years of covering that event. Yeah, and the players will tell you they really enjoy uh, the hospitality shown by the Travelers Championship. That's one thing they'll voice uh, at any time. You know, you don't even have to prompt them. They bring it up. Well, that's it. And that's my final thought on it. It's just, yeah, Travelers does a fantastic job. 
you, you know, anybody who knows the history of that tournament, you probably do better than I, but, you know, fits and starts and was as it's been around for a long, long time with a lot of big names going back to Arnold Palmer has won this tournament under many different names and it was teetering and travelers basically saved it and they're just all in and it's great. It's great to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I heard they're going to sign up for another contract, John. Excellent. Good. Good. Well, AP, I don't want to let us, uh, you know, do the show without getting your thoughts on, uh, you know, on Aaron Hernandez. It's the talk of obviously Boston, easily New England, and really the nation. It's unbelievable. You know, you can't even keep up with it, you know, on on almost an hourly basis. Uh, It's obviously right in my backyard. I'm literally 20 minutes from Aaron Hernandez's house, (laughs) which everybody in America now knows what it looks like. Right. Oh, sure. But, you know, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, where do you go? I mean, now we have the news of, you know, he's being looked at in a double murder from last summer in Boston. Yeah, he, he... In the expressions that he shows on camera, John, it's like a sal- assassin. I mean, he doesn't show very much emotion. I mean, well, that's I, it. I, I was walking out of the arena last night from the draft, and I told someone when I interviewed him, those were the same expressions after I spoke to him that evening in New Haven. And it's it just how, how he can mask this uh, hellacious. Um, act that's been committed and he's surrounded by it and all points lead to him being the culprit but you know there's still a trial and uh you still have they still have to present their case to the people and and i don't know what's going to happen but it's such a sad thing and two thoughts i had about the situation and i told you last week there's really nothing good out of this story but the only thing I could think of is that his dad passed away and is not here to see the ruination of his son. Correct. And that's, a you know, he, for everybody who knows, you know, AP is based in Connecticut and Hernandez is from Bristol, Connecticut, famous for ESPN. I got to be truthful with you. I've been there many times. I didn't know there were, quote, mean streets of Bristol, as it were, but apparently there were, but I haven't been on them. Right. But it also borders Hartford or very close to Hartford, which is a let's say, you know, known to be a tough town, shall we say. Yes, they have their, their tough neighborhood. They sure do. And uh, so and that's the only thing I could think of. And the other thing, John, was here's his teammate at Florida, team, Tim Tebow. Right. He's like the antithesis. antithesis I can't say the word, but you don't, you know what I mean. Antithesis, sure. You, you said it better than I did or could. <laughs> and, and Tim Tebow was around him in all this – religious type uh you know moments that he's had on the field and he couldn't influence hernandez and now he's going to have the opportunity to make his name with the patriots maybe playing that position tight end it's crazy yeah again you can't make this stuff up it's i heard they were roommates in college is that true say that again i heard heard last night that tebow and hernandez were were roommates yeah i wasn't sure of that but obviously there's two polar personalities. Yeah, and I had said a couple weeks ago on the show that uh, I thought that, you know, 
right last week when the charges first came out, not charges, excuse me, he wasn't charged or arrested till this week, but <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Can't keep it straight. Uh, but mm-hmm. when this whole thing was breaking, that it was just sort of ironic and a shame that Tebow had just arrived and had he arrived sooner in new England, might that have made a difference given their college history. But back to what you said about his father, when he failed drug tests at the university of Florida, he used to say, you know, that he was, using drugs, apparently marijuana, uh, you know, to cope with the loss of his father who died, who he's very close to by all accounts and who died when he was age 16. So again, just, uh, it's an all time story. You know, if it ended today, it is an all timer, you know, certainly in the new England area to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. I get, maybe it's the sports tragedy of the area. I would say. Oh, absolutely. Again, it's the local version of the OJ case. It just is, you know, starting with, you know, a chase through New England, you know, about nine, ten days ago. Uh, But AP, hard to believe. We're at the end of our show. Once again, great job, great work, and just a pleasure to hear your perspective live from attending last night's NBA draft. Well, thank you, John. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. look forward to it every week. All right, AP, and thank you all, Voice America listeners, for listening to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.